Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and a hearty welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. And while New Year's resolutions are still fresh on our minds, and I hope you haven't broken all yours like I have, today we're going to focus on moving your personal and family finances onward and upward. And let me begin with a question. Regardless of how much money you earn, are you and your family living paycheck to paycheck? Does your bank balance routinely approach zero well before the end of the month? And believe me, people sometimes have uh, six-figure family incomes, and they still run into that kind of a problem. Do you and your significant others spend a good portion of your time worrying about how you're going to keep your finances above water? Well, if so, here's a clue. For most of us, the real problem is not how much or how little we make. It's how recklessly we spend. And one time years ago when our son Jeff was little, his mother informed him there simply wasn't enough money to buy that expensive toy that he really wanted. And little Jeff responded, that's okay, Mom, just charge it. Unfortunately, in this modern era of plastic, or waving a smartphone app at a merchant screen, or maybe even your face now, <laughs> some of these new uh, payment options, more than a few of us adults have adopted this same just charge it mentality. And like so many, do you and your spouse at times make large impulse purchases, or perhaps a steady stream of smaller ones, without first planning out precisely how you're going to pay for them? And here's another scary thought. What if you or an immediate family member should face an emergency, a debilitating accident, lengthy illness, or loss of a job? How uh, financially would you handle that? And on our program today, we're going to talk about effective personal and family financial management, stopping once and for all that living our lives paycheck to paycheck. And in theory, it sounds so logical, doesn't it? You just plan and budget income and expenditures so that consistently over time more money comes in than goes out and then save and invest the excess money for your future. But my guest, personal financial expert Patricia Davis, puts it quite succinctly, I just plan and budget to live beneath your means. And by the way, this does not mean that you and I can't enjoy every day of our journey through life. We don't have to be tightwads, but we don't have to be spenders either. And Patricia Davis is here today with loads of practical suggestions on getting our finances back on track, raising our credit scores, and living the joyful yet responsible financial life all of us want and deserve. And in fact, Patricia Davis has just released her acclaimed book on this very subject titled Going Broke is No Joke, 52 Money Tips Everybody Should Know. And Patricia is a managing director of her own firm, Davis Financial Services, in Mitchellville, Maryland. She's a seasoned former corporate finance executive with several Fortune 500 corporations. She gives speeches, conducts financial workshops, 
teaches and advises individuals and couples nationwide on the laws and reality of the money game. And she author, she's author of two prior books on personal financial management. And uh, she was a prior guest on our program back in January of 2016. And you can always go back to listen to our former programs. And hello, Patricia Davis. We're indeed honored to have you uh, return to middle age and be your best age. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, although we always think in terms of poor families struggling to make ends meet, isn't it true that lots of folks with generous incomes well above the poverty line also struggle to pay their bills? You're absolutely correct. As you said, it's not how much you make, it's how you spend what you have, and more importantly, what do you save based on what you have? Yes, exactly right. Well, how do you explain the vast degree of financial ignorance in America? Aren't we taught in public schools, preferably even starting in grammar school, the importance of effectively managing money? And don't most colleges and universities offer courses on personal financial management? A one-word answer to your question, no. In the United States, out of our 52 states, only 18 states teach financial education as a part of their core senior class curriculum. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it is rare when you find that in a college as a regularly offered course. And I have to be honest with you, I have been through three graduate programs I did one program in personal financial planning, but I have an MBA from a major university. There was not one financial management class, personal financial management class, offered as part of the curriculum. I had a similar experience. (laughs) I don't recall having anything to do with personal finance. No, we learned all about corporate finance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My experience. How to invest in uh, various stocks and all that kind of good stuff or managing the companies but not managing our own personal affairs which doesn't right. make a lot and of sense. the problem is that we don't learn it in school and I counsel the parents and the parents often don't know it so how do how do young people learn it and how do older people learn it so well, they after- often learn the wrong thing by seeing their parents charge and get deep in debt <laughs> So they assume that's the way to do it, I guess. <laughs> well, some people see their parents doing that and decide to do just the opposite, but most Good for them. most don't. Yeah. Well, in your book's introduction, you spell out 14 what you call your money principles, and we don't have time to discuss all 14, but as a sample, could you uh, preview for us two or three of these uh, money principles that you talk about? Well, one of the things that I talk about that I find most important is, as you said in your introduction, live beneath your means. People always say, don't live above your means, but I say live beneath your means. That's the way you get money to save, because you don't live right to the limit of your income. Another one that I really like is one that I attribute to my husband, whose motto is, Work for it, wait for it, and pay for it. Well, that makes so much sense. And rather, instead of these impulse purchases, you set a goal on buying something you really like, but you wait for it and work for it. You don't <laughs> you get ahead. Pay for it. <laughs> don't get out ahead of the game. I I told somebody in one of the classes that I taught that when my husband and I got married, we had both gotten out of undergraduate school. 
We saved ten dollars a week. He was he was a graduate student. I was working. Then we reversed it, and we saved ten dollars a week. That was all we had. But every week, savings was a part of our budget, which we've and always that had. Builds up no matter you know even if it's ten dollars a week, that builds up over time. So fast forward to a number of years, after the class, the young man was helping me out to my car, and I had a sports car that was kind of fancy, and he said to me, you didn't buy this off of $10 a week, and I said, no, I didn't, but I didn't buy it when all I had was $10 a week. (laughs) That's such a good point, isn't it? The big difference. (laughs) Yeah. We waited until we could afford to do it, and that was many, many, many years later. Yeah. Well, job loss is not as common now as it was back in 2008, 2009 in that last Great Recession, but it still happens. And your book's Chapter 5 is titled Surviving Job Loss. Can you please offer a few suggestions on the steps a listener can and should take if and when the paycheck stops? What do you do in that case? Well, the first thing you do is stop all non-essential spending. If you don't have to spend for it, don't. That means the things that are just nice to have, you have to say, I have to wait until I get back to my, back to the point where I have a job before I can do that again. But you've got to do that. With your employer, you've got to check with the Human Resources Office to find out what your benefits are. You file for unemployment insurance. Importantly, you talk to your family members. Yeah, I was going to say that's got to be a family crisis when, uh, or family, don't call it a crisis, a transition, but uh, everyone. Well, it is a crisis for most people. Well, it is, but everyone has to contribute, including the kids that uh, would rather just go on normal. I had a friend who would talk to me about his job loss. His company got bought by another company, and he was a senior vice president, and he was going to be eased out, his wife would not allow him to talk about that subject in the presence of their children because she didn't want them upset. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Absolutely no sense. It is a family affair. So we can't go out for our Friday dinners, or we can't pay for you know, the Saturday movies right now. And everybody has to understand what the situation is so you can all be in it together. So Most that's an important... People that uh, want to keep putting on the dog to impress their neighbors. They don't want the neighbors to think they're in, in trouble financially, so they <laughs> maintain their club membership and they, they right. continue to spend a lot of money. To, well, I mean, it's ridiculous. But spend You've also got a list. Anyway. Sorry. You've also got to list all of your creditors, and for those that you can't continue to pay out of whatever resources you do have, you've got to contact those creditors. Don't hide from them. Don't just not pay them, but contact them. Explain the situation and see if you can renegotiate your credit terms. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Well, in Chapter 2 of your book is titled, Why You Need a Spending Plan. Let's say you and your spouse... Together, earn a healthy 200000 a year at your job. So long as you don't throw money away, do you really need a spending plan? And how best do you go about establishing one? Everybody, I think, needs a spending plan. That's the surest way to know 
what you what you've got going out and what you've yeah. got coming in. Yeah, that just makes common sense, doesn't it? Some people think only poor people need spending plans, but that is absolutely not the case. No. May I give you an example of a, a call I got from a young man? Yeah, sure. He and his wife together made $325,000 wow. a year. He called me because his wife's spending was out of control. <laughs> I sat down with them to do a 12-month budget listing all of their income and all of their assets yeah. And the thing I remember most is when we got to the line that said laundry and dry cleaning, she said, put in $400 a month. I said, what on earth are you cleaning? I mean, I can understand $400 a year. Yeah. And she said they had two special needs children, ages two and four. Yeah. She said, well, you know, I'm an attorney. I wear business suits to work. When I come home, the children want to play with Mommy. Hmm. I said, change your clothes. <laughs> yeah. And she looked at me like, oh, what a novel idea. <laughs> and I said, you know, you really have to save some of your money. But she said, I make a lot of money, so I should have everything I want. And that's the exact problem that so many people with good salaries fall into. Well, I yes. make a lot of money. I should enjoy my life. <laughs> oh, you can enjoy your life, but you still can spend some. And what I said to her was, especially with two small children yeah. who have these needs, you may yeah. be called upon any day to come home to take care of those children. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to be prepared to do that. Yeah. Well, in general, what's the best way to pay off completely or at least lighten your debt load, be it student loans maybe for your son and daughter, more likely for them and, and for us at middle age, the credit cards, an auto loan, or a burdensome mortgage? Any suggestions on how we can get started in paying down debt if we're already in, uh, deeply in, in debt? Well, one of the things you have to do if you're already deeply in debt and I'm, I'm taking student loans out of this for a moment, yeah. is to list all of your debts, and I say preferably in descending, in order, I'm sorry, of those with the highest interest rates first. Oh, I see. Highest down to lowest. And you start with the highest interest rate loan, because that saves you the most money. If you've got a 26% Visa bill or any kind of bill, even though that may have a smaller balance, that's yeah. costing you the most money. Yeah, I know that some people want to pay off. All those credit card interests are, they just look, oh, I only have to pay $25 on this card this month. And <laughs> they look oh, so what you want to do is pay the minimum balance on everything else, but yeah. any additional money you have, you work on that largest bill first. Again, some people want to pay off those that have the smallest balance, and maybe every now and then if you got something that's $50, $75, $100, pay that off. But you really want to work on that debt that's yeah. the highest debt, the highest interest debt. Yeah. And that way you save yourself the most money, and when you get that paid off, you move to the next one, and you work down the list that way. Well, that With, makes so much sense. Something most people don't even think about, but it makes uh, a ton of sense. Well, probably not a significant problem for most of us at middle age. Uh, 
but I occasionally get calls, robo calls, asking, uh, uh, saying if I need help paying my student debt off, <laughs> which is something I never had. But uh, any suggestions we could give to our young adult sons and daughters on how best to manage those horrendous student loans so many of them have run up? There are a great number of loan forgiveness programs. And Google loan forgiveness programs for federal loans, not for private loans, because to my knowledge, there are no loan forgiveness programs for private loans. And some people have those, and you have to contact your creditors and see if you can work something out with them. But there are a number of loan forgiveness programs, and the forgiveness comes when you work in certain occupations, certain kinds of jobs, when you go into the military, you may become a teacher, you do a, a job for the state or county for a number of years, and then the loan may be paid off entirely. But you've got to find some way to get those loan balances down, and that's a good way of doing it. Get yourself into a loan forgiveness program. And I bet a bunch of people don't even know about those. It always helps to research that kind of thing. You may be surprised. You might be uh, have an easy road out that you didn't even realize was there. Right. And certain professions lend themselves to those kinds of programs. I mean, for example, if you are a psychologist, yeah. go, to work in the school, go to work in a county program, go to work yeah. in a state program or for the yeah. school system for a number of years. And in some of the programs, you work for five years and your entire loan balance is forgiven. Oh, that's great. Well, on a completely different subject, your book mentions uh, common financial scams uh, to get out to get your money. Can you please warn us of one or two of the latest scams, those that uh, we especially should be on the lookout for? What's in vogue these days among the crooks? <laughs> Let me give you an example, especially for seniors. I don't know yeah. whether you have seniors who listen to the program, but I hope so. Well, but I'll, for those I'll of us who are... Or I'd say middle age is question mark, question mark. So we most definitely invite seniors to join us. One of the great scams is the grandparent scam, where somebody calls you and tells you that your grandchild has been hurt and needs money and you need to send money to a certain telephone number. My sister just got one of these scams. Oh, wow. Her granddaughter had been hurt and she needed this, this help. And my sister doesn't have a granddaughter. (laughs) So she knew that that was a scam. (laughs) Often they may even have somebody call and say, Grandma, Grandma, and when you say, Johnny, is that you? Then they've got Johnny's name, so they can use that name and say, you know, Johnny is hurt, Johnny needs some some help. So you've got to be very careful about that. And people target Seniors and middle-aged people, for a number of reasons. One, they believe you have fairly good credit. Two, they think you have assets. And importantly, they think you're too polite to hang up on them. So you will listen and listen and listen. My husband and I are, if you want to call it middle-aged, we're middle-aged, and we have somebody who's probably called us a hundred times saying they owe us money. But we have to go online to a website to get this money. Yeah, I had a similar situation where somebody called and said, uh, I, I got scammed a year ago for a $250 or something like that to uh, 
get supposedly some security on my computer. And this guy uh-huh. called up and said, uh, you, your computer was wrong. We want to return the $250. But yep. they wanted to take control of my computer to do it. I said, forget it. Yep. <laughs> you can keep your money. <laughs> Guys, well, send us our money. No, we can't send it to you. My <laughs> husband said, give it to you. Do you have a, keep it. He said, no, I can't keep it. Do you have a mother? Well, sure, give it to your mother. Oh, I can't give it to your, my mother. I don't care what you do with it, but these people have called over and over again. Nobody works that hard to give you money. No, of course not. (laughs) Nobody that I have experienced works that hard to give you back money they think they owe you. No. Well, let's talk a bit about your brand-new book, Going Broke is No Joke. In your book, you tell us about the priceless common-sense money training you received from your dear mom. Uh, Please tell us a a bit about the tough circumstances after your father died and the financial uh, financial principles that your mom ingrained in your siblings and you. I think it's such a great story. Well, she was a young widow with five children, and she was determined to make what she had work. So she told us that we were going to be okay money-wise, but we were going to do money her way. So she was determined to make it work, and she said, you're going to get an allowance. You'll get it every two weeks. I get paid every two weeks. If I run out of money before my payday, I get no more money. So if you run out of money before allowance day, you get no more money. You can spend it all, throw it away, give it away. I don't care what you do with it. But that's all you get. And we thought she was mean and stingy. And every time we asked for something, she had what we, her name was Mimi, and we called it a Mimi-ism. She had some guidance, some principle that she was teaching us. And we said, Mom, don't teach us. Just give us money. She <laughs> Teaching you lessons to last a lifetime. Yeah, no, we all valuable, and she had given you money for everything you wanted. No, and we didn't realize until we were much older she didn't have it to give us. Yeah, she was trying to make the water keep running, the lights stay on, and all of that, and they did. Yeah, and they did, and we thank her. Essential, and she paid those first. Yep. Yep, and she paid. Every, we never had a bill collector call our house, never. But she was so strict with money, and we just cringed sometimes when she wouldn't just give it to us. And she was always trying to teach us lessons. So my first book is called Mimi, Money, and Me, 101 Realities About Money. Daddy never taught me, but Mama always knew. The Washington Post endorse that as one of the best books to give if you want to give the gift of financial power. Well, that's great. Your your book subtitle is 52 Money Tips Everybody Should Know. Uh, that's a lot of tips, but to uh, get us started, give us two or three of those tips. Oh, my goodness, 52 Money Tips Everybody Should Know. Well, first of all, you've got to understand your own financial value system. What does money mean to you? And if you're getting ready to get connected with somebody else, what does it mean to them? You've you've got to understand how you feel about money, what money means to you, what you want it to do for you, and make sure if you've got a partner that maybe your your money goals aren't identical, but at least that they're compatible. Yeah, that would avoid a lot of divorces and a lot of 
turmoil in marriages, wouldn't it, if, if people worked that out in advance before the engagement? <laughs> well, I tell people exchange FICO, exchange FICO scores before you exchange wedding vows. Yeah. <laughs> you learn a lot about this person by just looking at how that person has managed their money. Well, so where should, uh, should folks go to preview and purchase your book? Where's the best place to do that? You can get it on Amazon, or you can get it on my website, yourmoneywiz.com. M-O-N-E-Y-W-I-Z, yourmoneywiz.com. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying you can also go to that website to find out uh, if they wanted uh, you to conduct a workshop or give speech or uh, find out where you're conducting a workshop or anything like that. They'd, They'd find that on your website, I guess. Yes, they can, and I thank you for saying that. Well, uh, the message from our guest, Patricia Davis, makes so much sense to me, and I've got an idea for you. You know, in the paper the other day it said Walmart is going to give $1,000 bonuses to a bunch of their employees because of this uh, new tax law, and a lot of other companies have planned to do that also. But even if you're not about to get a uh, tax increase, the IRS has announced that they're going to uh, lower the withholding of, on a lot of us folks, uh, depending, I guess, on what uh, state you live in or some other things. But most of us will be seeing additional money in our monthly paychecks come February. And instead of figuring out what you're going to spend that money on, take Patricia Davis's advice, live beneath your means and pay yourself first Put that money away and keep living on the same amount of money that you were before. And by golly, at the end of the year, you'll you'll be well on your way to uh, getting rid of that debt load and putting money away for college, retirement, whatever it might be. And that's a great idea to to uh, live below your means. I love that. And thank you so much, Patricia Davis. And I highly recommend you get a hold of uh, her new book. And what's the name of that book again? Going broke is no joke. 52 money tips everybody should know. Yeah, going broke is certainly no joke. And thank you so much, Patricia Davis, for returning and uh, best of success on that new book. And thank you for having me. Well, we're going to spend the rest of today's program talking about seven golden rules to good health. The 10-year study by the late Dr. Lester Breslow of UCLA revealed that if you follow these rules, you could live 30 years longer than folks who break all seven. Not only that, you're far less likely during your lifetime to become infirm or disabled, and who wants to live like that? And best of all, these rules are common sense and easy to follow, and they won't require a major sacrifice on your part. And as my guest today, Dr. Richard Ruling, puts it, uh, what we put into our mouths since birth is the cause of most health issues, but the good news is that we can reverse most problems, and he's here to inform us about Dr. Breslow's new start concept that includes seven golden habits that incorporate nutrition, exercise, and believe it or not, water. And Dr. Richard Ruling is a retired physician whose credentials include board certification in internal medicine and a cardiology fellowship. He's author of uh, several books and CDs, including one we'll talk about today, Why You Shouldn't Ask Your Doctor. He offers two uh, CDs and a new start package, and he's an in-demand speaker on talk and talk show guests on topics of natural health and wellness. And Dr. Ruley is widely uh, acclaimed 
as a physician who can help you feel better and live longer while cutting your cost of medical care and your risk from prescription drugs. And it certainly sounds like a professional you and I would want to listen to. And hello, Dr. Ruling, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hi, thank you, Roy. It's a privilege to be with you. And yes, your your title of your program is correct. It's wonderful to be alive and enjoying health. Uh, I am, I'm in my mid seventies, and I don't see anything coming for me. So uh, life is great. Thanks. <laughs> well, it sounds like sometimes prescription drugs do more harm than good. And on your website, uh, you report uh, you heard uh, report that you heard Dr. Uh, Nathan Pritikin report on how his diet got 85% of his patients off blood pressure and diabetes and also reversed heart disease, got them off those drugs. Please tell us about the remarkable recovery of a 65-year-old executive who was taking 12 pills a day and couldn't walk two blocks without experiencing uh, severe chest pain. Okay. Uh, that was Salvatore Frasinella. He was a New York executive. Uh, I moved to New York because I knew I had good stuff, and but I found it tough as nails. you got to have something really slick in marketing to uh, fly with the big guys, and I, I didn't have the business end of it all together, but uh, I did enjoy uh, giving programs, and a friend of this, Salvatore Frasinella, brought him to a program that I gave locally. Uh, it was actually at a church, and if any of your listeners are pastors, they I would be glad to do something for your church, no charge. Just uh, people can get the materials afterwards, which is a benefit to them. Uh, this Salvatore fellow was really afraid because uh, uh, he was getting worse, couldn't walk two blocks without severe chest pain, and he used to play tennis. And uh, he, uh, I said I thought I could help him. I tested him on the treadmill, which I had, and, uh, yeah, he did have a serious problem. But uh, uh, I told him that if he would do what I said, I think he could get off some of his medication. His cardiologist said, you'll die, but I think he outlived the cardiologist. <laughs> he was 65 uh, at that time, and he lived to be 92. Uh, in about eight weeks, he was off his medication uh, following uh, a, a, a low-fat, uh, low-cholesterol type of diet, which is what Pritikin was advocating. Uh, the, the oil, the reason why blood pressure goes up and why Pritikin could get 85% of the people off is because uh, – any kind of fat, whether it's uh, corn oil, olive oil, uh, any uh, coconut oil, oils make the blood sticky. And when yeah. the blood is sticky, you need more pressure to circulate it. The little platelets will clump together. They call it rouleau formation. They stack up like coins, you know, like our lifesavers used to or whatever. And... Uh, Bottom line, uh, but he, he did well. Uh, I told him not to worry about a little. I was coached by Dr. Albert Caddis from UCLA on exercise. I attended an exercise symposium by the American Heart Association, and they said, don't worry about a little chest pain, uh, but that stimulates your heart to want to open its blood vessels. So walk in the presence of mild chest pain. If it gets severe, stop. But if it's mild, keep walking slowly, and uh, that will stimulate your blood vessels. And if you're following a low low-fat diet, low cholesterol, uh, you will not have a heart attack with mild chest pain. And it will, uh, in a few weeks, uh, in eight weeks, he was uh, uh, climbing hills again, and he resumed playing some tennis. Wow. So that, that's it in a nutshell. Sounds great. But what if you're age 52, 45 pounds, overweight, a couch potato, smoke a pack a day, and routinely ingest a greasy, high-calorie diet? <laughs> At this age and condition, after years of abusing your body, is there any hope of improvement? 
Well, bless your heart. I hope that that's not you. And I no. would say that, uh, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> um, number one, uh, the effect of nicotine is to constrict blood vessels. And this is why uh, heart disease kills more smokers than lung cancer. Uh, because uh, they, they they will plug up faster because the effect is to to constrict the blood vessel the, the artery. So number one, quit smoking, and it is possible. I have uh, on my website a CD, actually a, a couple CDs. But the, the New Start concept, by the way, is not Breslow's; it's mine. Oh. Uh, although I did not coin the the phrase New Start, but the Nutrition Exercise uh, Water acronym comes from a a institution on the West Coast, Weimar, but I use their stuff, that, that acronym, to uh, they fit Breslow's study very well. Uh, yeah. He did not really ask him about sunshine, which is the S in New Start. Well, but, I, uh, I want to get to all those uh, various okay. initials in a minute, but uh, okay. first let me ask you, when you go to a doctor with a health problem, injury right. or illness, the common physician's response is to prescribe a medication. True right. or false? Prescription drugs cure diseases and heal injuries. That is false. They do not cure disease. They may cure your symptom, but the disease process is unaffected. And when I studied internal medicine for, to, and before I passed the board examinations, yeah. I was surprised that most conditions in the internal medicine textbook are of, quote, unknown etiology, which means <laughs> they don't know the cause. And if they don't know the cause, how can they address it with a cure? You know? That's a very it, good question, isn't it? Yeah. It's interesting because you say, you know, sometimes the drugs may mask the pain long enough so that uh, your natural healing process takes over, but the drugs didn't do the healing, actually. It was what's inside your body, and, and unfortunately, sometimes the drugs uh, inhibit the healing more than they help it, I guess. Well, uh, let me tell you a serious, true uh, story. Uh, my former wife had a bladder infection, and uh, she didn't know what to do. She tried uh, cranberry juice. Uh, she tried an herb. She drank water. Uh, she was a little impatient and went to her doctor, got a prescription for Cipro. And I have since uh, uh, encountered two physician friends and colleagues who had also bad experiences with Cipro. But, uh, and my wife did not abuse the medicine. She took it as prescribed for a few days better, quit. But a month later, uh, spots under her skin went to her doctor, blood test, called urgently the next day, see a hematologist. He made the prescript, uh, the appointment for her, and uh, her, her bone marrow was wiped out from platelets. She had uh, splenectomy, high steroids, gamma globulin, blood transfusions, in and out of hospitals, died of a stroke. Yeah, that was a horrible story, and it was all yeah. really brought on. And it was, the Cipro was not, the, there was no negligence in terms of, uh, how she took it or how it was prescribed. It just uh, had an unintended side effect, I guess you're saying. That, uh, that is actually the definition of the term adverse drug reaction. When yeah. the when Journal of American Medical Association 20 years ago this year, 1998, mm -hmm. reported 106,000 deaths in hospitals, they said these were properly prescribed and administered. They were not an overdose, not malpractice. It was the right medicine, but you cannot always predict who's going to react oddly. Just kind of like an allergy to penicillin, you know, if yeah. you never had one before. Yeah. So the bottom line is that uh, this is this is Russian roulette, but it, the chances are much higher than people would suspect. You think, well, lots of people go to the doctor and they, they must be doing, know what they're doing. Yeah. But the, <laughs> the bottom line is uh, if 106,000 died in one year in hospitals, 
Uh, and two years later, the Western Journal of Medicine reported outside the hospital, outpatients, how many died at home, okay? Uh, uh, that was uh, um, 199,000. And you add them together, it's 305 makes medical care the third leading cause of death after cancer and heart disease. And that was 20 years ago, okay? Yeah. My point is that uh, the archives of internal medicine reported in 2007 uh, that in seven years' time, the death rate increased 2.7-fold. So multiply 300,000 by 2.7, and now you're past cancer as a cause of death. And who knows that? Nobody does. You won't, they won't, uh, the drug spencers on the evening news will not let them talk about that, uh, you know, no, type of thing. No, but they do spend as much time talking about the potential side effects as they do about the benefits of their drugs. <laughs> well, they try to be honest, but m most people are stupid enough to think that they could get some symptomatic relief and it won't hurt them. And, yeah. and I just say, hey, it's, it's the most dangerous thing. Live with your symptoms. Them, uh, because what you could get is worse, like my doc, my wife got. Yeah. Know. Well, enough of the warnings. Let's talk about possibilities as an alternative to prescription drugs. On your website, you describe your signature New Start program, and that's an acronym where each letter represents one of your uh, seven simple health habits. Uh, actually, there's eight, so there's one additional in addition to those seven. Can you Correct. please uh, run that? Now, we're going to next week talk in detail about these, but. Uh, just run down what each of the letters stand for a new start. Okay. In Breslow's study, he uh, one of the the th the big three were smoking, uh, drinking, and overweight. Okay. And so, uh, are you overweight? Uh, uh, that's a, a problem potentially. And he asked also, do you eat breakfast? Regular meal patterns are important, and we can go into that more another time. But E yeah. for exercise. Exercise is the golden remedy that helps balance everything else. If you exercise, and in his study, did you do it a half an hour three times a week? Uh, if we do, uh, we're, we're not as picky about the food. Our mental attitudes are better. We sleep better. Our elimination is better. Uh, exercise lowers blood pressure, blood sugar. Uh, it, it's just beneficial. And th if things are good in many ways, uh, it's, it's uh, just a, a blessing. You can't count all the ways. It helps the immunity, et cetera. Water, W for water. Water, that's a strange one, but uh, we'll talk okay. about in detail about all these next week. What's the S in START? Sunlight, and you get that with the exercise, but it also helps. Uh, vitamin D is critical to uh, calcium metabolism, bone strength. Uh, it prevents ca uh, breast cancer from metastasizing, uh, et cetera. It, you know, if you have good vitamin D, you're, you're less likely to have uh, a spread of the cancer to the bone, et cetera. The next one sounds like Billy Sunday Day's temperance. <laughs> okay. Well, alcohol, uh, and in Breslow's study, they did not drink or they only drank like one, one drink a day type of thing. Uh, uh, but I, I broaden that to include any kind, you know, the alcohol is the oldest drug, but we yeah. prescription drugs are the newest kind that are That's big problems. Yeah. yeah, and A is rather obvious. Tell us what the A is. And air, okay, uh, pure air, not smoking, uh, <laughs> is important, and and you get that with aerobic exercise too. Cooper did a great thing for this country to get America jogging back uh, about 50 years ago plus, and then. Uh, the R is for rest, sleep, seven or eight hours of sleep a night, according to Breslow. Uh, you know, and, and then the T, the last T is trust in nature or trust in God. Uh, yeah. Glad that uh, uh, our State of the Union speech included trust in God because uh, on our own we've got a lot of problems. And uh, God can see around every curve. We can't see around any of them. Uh, but anyway, sure. 
That's, we're, we're running out of time today, but I've invited Dr. Richard Rulling to return on our next program to describe in detail each one of these habits. But before we go, I'd like to tell our listeners about your new ebook, Why You Shouldn't Ask Your Doctor Choices That Can Save Your Life. Now, what inspired you to research, write, and publish this book? Well, uh, actually, this was written amazingly before my wife had her problem. You know, uh, I. Uh, but uh, it's all the more true now. And by the way, I did go through the U.S. Senate office buildings to uh, uh, share with senators the, the the medical literature in support of it being a problem. Until one senator said, "You know, you're wasting your time. They own us." Speaking <laughs> of donations, isn't that disgusting? Yeah, it is disgusting. They took an oath of office for yeah. to do the best they could, and they they were happy for the perks and the good things that the drug companies do for them. Uh, bottom line, if they want my book, they can go to Amazon and type in my name, Richard Ruling, uh, R U H. It has an H in R U H L I N G, and I have a bunch of books, uh, and some of them are free. Sometimes, uh, in fact, today, well, this, by the time this is playing, it won't be today. But anyway, so uh, take a look and see what appeals to you. Uh, most of them have four to five star reviews, and uh, thank you for the, that opportunity. Yeah, and also you have a website where you can uh, preview that book as well. What's your, what's your primary website? Um, I have uh, richardruling.com, uh, spelled R-U-H-L-I-N-G.com, and I, it has materials that uh, uh, I think are well worth it. Basically, uh, what's more important than health in life? We we spend a lot of money for the house in which we live, but not the real house in which we our soul lives, yeah, if you, you follow what I'm have, saying. If you don't have health, nothing else in, in life matters very much. That's right. Well, yes. It's, it, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. Well, uh, health is, uh, is a special form of wealth. You cannot buy it with money. And uh, Rockefeller would have given a million dollars for a new stomach. But if you, uh, the CDs that I have on my website, richardruling.com, are are worth uh, the price, and they go into this in depth that we can't cover right here. Yeah. Okay. Well, in conclusion, and again, Dr. Ruling will be back next week. As I mentioned on prior programs, almost without exception, every single one of us was created with a natural internal healing system capable of sustaining our health and well-being well into our 90s and beyond. In effect, like our vehicles, each one of us was presented by the Creator with a 90-year warranty. And so why do so many folks in America <laughs> and worldwide die so young? In effect, through unhealthy habits, lack of willpower, we void our warranty. And as Dr. Ruling has explained today, what we put into our mouths since birth not to mention our lack of life balance, lack of exercise, stress of modern living, uh, and, of course, the harmful side effects of prescribed medicines that we take all poison our immune systems and bring on an early death. And isn't it interesting that there are isolated pockets of humanity, most in so-called underdeveloped or primitive societies, where folks do tend to live longer and presumably more joyful and serene lives. And the good news, Dr. Rowling assures us that you and I can reverse most problems, hopefully restore at least a good portion of that 90-year warranty, and more important, enjoy good health, energy, and positive outlook on life right up until the death of our departing. And next week, Dr. Rowling will return to talk in more detail about the seven rules of health and how best to adopt them as your own. And he will also talk about a great offer of CD, DVD, and uh, a link to Natural Remedies Encyclopedia as a bonus along with a book. 
an offer you won't want to pass up. And thank you, Dr. Rowling, for joining us today. And tune in next week when we'll also talk about living like you're on fire. Talk to you then from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 